Maryland sports fans, there's only one sports book in the great state of Maryland with over 50 years experience booking bets and supporting customers. Betfred Sportsbook at Long Shots is now open and is the only sports book in Frederick offering cash betting on football, basketball, world soccer, and more. Visit the Betfred Sportsbook at I-270 and MD-85 in Frederick, right next to Longshot's Off-Track Betting. Go to BetfredSports.com for more information and your chance to win exclusive merchandise. Must be 21 or older. Play responsibly. For help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. It's a snowy day. It's a snowy day. And because we're all in lockdown, we can't go out anyway. <laughs> I mean, so it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a nor'easter. <laughs> it's snowpocalypse. Which is like Easter, but then you put a nor in front of it. <laughs> like nor. As opposed to if it were noir Easter, which would mean a black Easter. Right, exactly. I mean, not for nothing. And or you know, if you're men- in high school and you're a boy from a cer- of a certain age, Dakar Noir, which was Ooh. one of your first oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, the worst, the worst. Not for you know. I have to say though, since most meteorologists oh, are. Oh wait, men- how about let's introduce oh, ourselves again. Introduce it's, uh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Corey Davy, I will let you finish. Episode 33, what's up? Okay. No, it's at 33. Is it 34? No, it's 33. It's 33. 33. And a third. Um, no, because I'm 37, so, like, I know that it's 34. Yeah, I, whatever, um, in metric. But I was going to say that usually, you know, as all New Yorkers and people can tell you, they freak out about stuff. But I will say that even though um, most meteorologists are men and and they usually lie about inches, as you know, men, um, I think this is going to be a really fucking That's true, because on Jack, on Jack, everybody seems to have 10 inches. I'm like, really? Everybody has 10 inches. And like, every man I've ever dated is 5'10". I'm like, you know really? I'm, I'm, like, looking, I'm looking at the top of your head right now. It's like, stop the lies, stop the madness. Every man is 5'10". Okay. <laughs> so, anyway, yeah. okay, I'm going to be in charge of the segues today okay, because wait. you are failing miserably well, on well, that. Speaking, well, speaking about tall. <laughs> did you oh, no. That? Yeah, well, did speaking you, about you? tall men, <laughs> let's talk about that Wendy Williams movie. Let's <laughs> think. It was... Oh. The whole night, the, the Wendy Williams event. Now, I am ashamed to say that that was event TV for me. I was like, I kind of can't miss this. And it did not disappoint in everything I needed it to be. It was a mess. A mess. <laughs> a mess. I call it a beautiful fucking disaster. A fabulous oh fucking disaster. God. It just was. To me, it was a... I love when people get to, you talk about this all the time, when people get to control the narrative of their story. So it's kind of like, this happened, yeah, 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 we're not going to talk about that. Okay, great, great, great. Then this happened. It was like a piece of vignette strung together. Yeah. To, I with guess no, to with no segues. <laughs> I guess to make a movie. But for some reason, I couldn't take my eyes off it. Well, it's like a train wreck, you know. I only could handle 20 minutes of it, and... um <laughs> You know, no disrespect to Lifetime because anybody of a certain age grew up watching those fabulous Lifetime TV. But remember women. where Lifetime was like a good old white woman's channel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, in danger. Like, white women in danger. Bette Midler. And 
Yeah, yeah like, white women in danger. <laughs> Donna, what's her face from Knott's Landing? Yeah. Michelle <laughs> Lee from Knott's Landing. <laughs> it was great. And then Corey great. Amos and what was it? Mother May I Sleep with Danger and what was it? Corey Coen Ball Girl. Excuse me, stop. Tori Amos? Not Tori Amos. What's her name? Tori Spelling. Tori Spelling. Jesus Christmas. <laughs> But anyway, so I could only take 20 minutes of it, and I know it's lifetime, and they have to right. use, like, people who have, don't have their SAG cards and whatever. <laughs> but it was literally the I most – I, I could only take 20 minutes. I find Wendy Williams to be very problematic on a lot of airs. And then yeah. I caught a bit of the documentary last night. Oh, no, that's the best part. I'm telling oh, you. my – it's Fuck the you. hour and a half of I hate my ex-husband. I'm going to just, Oh, my God. Just, for cheating on I'm, me and having a baby, here is an hour and a half of me just letting really, you have it. Really, an hour and a half of me having a pity party <laughs> on a shady lounge, <laughs> ugly crying, like Wait, ugly crying. Of, while, doing like, your lymph, well, while doing your lymphedema treatment. It's everything I needed. Uh, it was everything I needed. Wait, oh it's like the crying. She said, this is the combination of everything, everything, everything. And I was like, really Rob, oh, for you changing. The, first of all, I've been around that lady uh, a, a couple of times throughout the year through radio. I've, I've been with an artist to her show. To see the rebranding of this oh, and her new take on it all is quite interesting. Yeah, well, you know. She, like I said, I obviously knew who she was. I, I, I found her to be, I've always found her to be uh, borderline homophobic, very sexist in At her times, own kind of way. At times, absolutely. She's one of those women who is doing it for men, not for women in, in a lot of ways. Um, absolutely. That, that said, it was almost kind of tragic. No, she's definitely, you know how some girls are a girl's girl and a man's girl. She definitely gives you a, a man's girl. Yeah, yeah. And I just thought it was problematic to see how much she's altered her looks because she was cute. Um, yeah, but the ugly crying <laughs> on the chaise lounge, having her, you know, and then turning to the side. It was, it was, it was just like one of those things. I was like, you paid for this to happen? Like, you want people to see you like this? Like, I ate it all the way up. I was like, this Bless is. Your heart. Bless this her heart is like point. Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome Part Six. Direct to came oh my God. at three a.m. on Showtime with softcore sex scenes. I was no, like, it was a mess. Yes, what's happening? That's all I kept thinking. No, and it was I was a thinking mess. like, oh, this is the revenge. This is where you're like, you had this baby on me. Now I'm just going to talk about you guys for an hour and a half and reframe this narrative as like this was my whole plan and I well, just was waiting and I'm just sitting there going. Uh, we just got to talk about how your husband used to allegedly, <laughs> let's throw allegedly in there, terrorize everybody everywhere, and you kind of knew it and just was very like... Oh, the whole thing was full of shit. The whole yeah, thing I mean, was full the of shit. The whole thing, the new framing of the narrative was quite, you know, framing of narrative. That's all I can say on that. Let's, let's right, go well, to the next framing of the narrative. Which well, speaking of framing the narrative. Salt, salt and pepper, right? 
So right they have now, a film. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not a. Let's. It's. It's a. Right. It's a biopic. A biopic. Right? <laughs> With the worst um, fucking wigs you could and hair builds that I. Uh, I mean, it was just like I just. It was like six year olds did the hair for that movie. It looked insane. Here's my. Okay. Here's what I. I did not see the movie because I, I, I'm not going to be mean. I'm not saying this to be, I'm so cool. I just wasn't really interested um, because I find most of these biopics to be really problematic on a lot of levels. I, I have interviewed salt and pepper and Spinderella, and then we'll get to that in a second, but several times throughout the years. I adore them. They were lovely. They are funny. They are great interviews. They are girls, girls. We love sure. it. Um, and one of my favorite anecdotes ever was going up to, and now I'm going to date myself, Polygram Records, mm-hmm. and um, Spin had just had Shout her out baby. To my internship at Polygram Records. Uh, <laughs> uh, Spin had just had her baby, and we mm-hmm. were sitting in the conference room, me and her, we were waiting for the other women to show up, mm-hmm. and she looks at me, and she goes, you have a kid, right? And I went, yeah. And she goes, so you don't mind if I change the baby's diaper? And I went, No. And she changed the baby's diaper on the conference table. And I went, Mm. you know what? This is why more women need to be in the business. Right. So I thought that was great. Um, Yeah, so the problem with the salt and pepper movie, other than the aesthetics, is that uh, miraculously, Spinderella, number one and number two, don't exist anymore. Or they actually did, but they existed like the Uber Eats driver. The first one was just basically portrayed as a girl who showed up and was fucking Herbie, so she had to go. Cause Wait a minute, I thought, I thought that up. was, I thought, what's her face? <laughs> I, was I, I, I was like, wow, that's like, she's just been reduced to that, okay? And then, then, then D was just kind of treated like, all right, she's young, she's here, she's in the back over there. Like, she doesn't have a story. And and I have a problem with, you know, throughout history, I feel like what Salt and Pepper has always stood for, it bothers me that in their own situation, it seems like those two girls, there's been some issue with Cinderella because they fired her off and on throughout the years. But I also think they underestimated how much the fans, we all love Spinderella. And to me, when yeah. I think of Salt and Pepper, I think Salt, Pepper, and Spin. I think the three of them. Yes, we yeah. love the two girls that rap. But the DJ, too, like, because she's Spinderella. She's part of the equation. And I think that all of these years later, I, I really do believe them as executive producers did their legacy. They, they, they just kind of, that wasn't the best because of of how she was treated. Aren't, aren't Salt and Pepper getting a Lifetime Achievement Grammy this year? Aren't they getting a Grammy? I believe, I mean, I believe they are. And is she included? Be, well, it's going to be interesting because if, if, I mean, I don't know the for sure, but if they own, if, if Cheryl and um, Sandy own the name and own yeah. the catalog to some extent, then they can cut her out if they wish to. Right. I mean, they don't. They don't have to do it. I mean, it's just unfortunate because it, it minimizes the role of the DJ. You can count on one hand the number of women DJs back then, and it makes you wonder. So, are they going to do the Naughty by Nature story and cut out KG? Right. Right. I mean, I I don't know how much, if any, Spin did any outside production, but I 
Look, I don't know what goes on in people's bedrooms and in people's corporate rooms. So I don't know what the issue is. It seems right. like this is something more financial than personal. Um, but it would be nice that if they do get this light, and I think they are getting it, that she is included because she is an integral, you know, part of the group in everyone's mind, at least for well, sure. First, you know? first she's all, in I, the videos. Yeah, she's right. in the videos. Uh, she's, she's on the album covers. <laughs> <laughs> it's like five saying, albums. <laughs> she's not. She's not like some backup musician. She's in the videos. She's in the press. She did press with them. Every time you talk to Cheryl and Sandy, you yeah. talk to Spin. So I would be unfortunate. But and she started doing production on their albums from the third album, but from album three, four, and five. Like she, yeah, no. that is her doing production and doing work on those albums. Yeah, I just, just think. That you can't just erase her. Like the fans are, lo and you know, we're disappointed in that. And whenever they speak about her, they just the way they speak about her, you could tell there's like this underlying situation. But I also think the fact that everywhere they go, immediately people are asking about her. They should understand she is an important part of that of that legacy. You cannot erase Spinderella. Yeah, I, I think I think I I have to imagine, and then you know that there's a financial element to it. I mean, that's usually right. what it is. I mean. Right. All right. Um, in a in a much more serious uh, note, we we wanted to uh, acknowledge the passing, the tragic passing of the Grammy nominated producer and artist Sophie, who died uh, at age thirty four. While I mean, it's just mind blowing the circumstances. She was climbing. Um, she was climbing up to see the Wolf Moon, which happened a couple of days ago. We're talking on Monday. It happened. A few, yeah, in Athens where she lived, and she must have fallen. So it's actually tragic. Yeah, no, that was an amazing moon, not for nothing. Um, but I think the thing that struck me, and you and I spoke about this, um, she, her death, I, she uses she pronouns, right? Not they, and um, does she use she? Was she I'm not transgender. Sure. I've seen she and I've seen they. Um, well, yeah, and I'm also seeing I'm seeing her and I'm seeing she. So yes, it's, it's and and I'm seeing in a statement that was released by by some folks that it is she and her. So, want yeah, yeah, yeah. We want to be respectful. Ab you know, we absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, I am seeing that that um, Sophie's death got a tremendous amount of mainstream press, including an obit in the New York Times by their chief pop music critic. So that is certainly a signal of, a, it's an acknowledgement of culture that very often for years did not get acknowledged in mainstream press. I mean, that she would get press and pitchfork and places like that is not surprising. So right, because, it, because her music was like kind of progressive, cool. It's not your regular dance. It's absolutely no, like it's dance for for smart, very progressive musical ears who will be open to that kind of vibe. And it really, you're, you're right. When I saw the amount of press and the people who are writing, I was like, wow, this is kind of like everybody, there was a lot of love for Sophie out there. Well, what's interesting, and you and I kind of talked about, I mean, I like to keep up as much as I can to what the kids are digging. And certainly I love dance music and dance pop, as it, you know, as we talk about it a lot. But music has become so fractured and so subsect that literally you can have somebody who was huge in a scene that people might not have heard of. 
because people knew who she was. Grammy nominated, worked with Charlie XCX, who I love, worked with um, uh, Vince Staples, worked with Madonna, you know, Grammy nominated as a solo artist. But I had never heard of this woman. Right. And I sort of felt like, okay, I know you don't listen to everything new all the time. It kind of blew my mind. And then I went online to listen to her. And I have to say, would I listen to her every single day? No, but you could hear what she's doing. She was yeah. combining dance and industrial and the way she was using sound. But it's just fascinating. And like house music vocals and putting yeah. in there. Yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a very interesting, it, it was a very sophisticated sort of dance sort of lane that she almost kind of created for herself because it's just did, hard to yeah. describe it because it doesn't sound like any other no. dance music really. And, and and to call it dance music because I've seen people call it high. I mean, there's so many subgenres we've yeah. talked about. This it's like yeah. mind. There's as many subgenres as there are uh, ways to receive your music, and that's part of it. There aren't yeah, like it's really electronic. Albums. Really, wouldn't it be more electronic in some electronic ways? Electronic and, and hype pop. I don't know what the fuck right. that means. Whatever. <laughs> but what's like I said, what's interesting for me is 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 the amount of press and also. And also the fact that a lot of reaction is being, I've never heard of her, why is she getting the press? As though your lack of knowledge diminishes her achievements. You know, Which is okay. Like, I, I always thought never... these things to inspire people to say, okay, well, I walk around and have this computer in my pocket. Let me check out yeah. some music. But, you know, nobody, everybody just, you know, nobody ever wants to be happy. <laughs> right. just, there's always somebody who's going to complain. Like, why is this person I don't know getting press? And it's like, why don't you discover why? Why don't you dig into the music, look at the art, and see what it's all about? Even if you listen for five minutes. I mean, I yep. have to admit, I'm guilty of it. It's like this guy, Morgan, I don't Morgan remember. Morgan He's got the number yeah. one album in the country number for the last few weeks. Yeah. He's on SNL, and people are like, I've never heard of him. Okay, which yeah. would be your cue to listen to him if you're interested, and then go, I don't like it, I do like it. And that's it. But to dismiss somebody's importance just because you didn't know who they were, well, guess what? If you're 25 and queer, this woman changed your life. Absolutely. You know? So I, Absolutely. I just sometimes I'm like, everybody's like, Mr. Wilson, you kids get off my lawn. You know, just listen to it for five seconds and then People go. People don't like change. People don't like yeah, it. Don't, it's like, we're eh, seeing I don't it. We're like seeing it. it. People don't like They don't like it. They don't like They just don't like it. But you know what? Uh, all of the marginalized communities are tired of sitting in the back. They're tired of being quiet. And it's like we're all stepping up to be like, you know what, fuck that and fuck this. My voice counts too. Yeah. And these artists, this is this is a sad one because, you know, I think these artists who are out there really representing for a lot of those kids who are never going to be famous, but they have to live their life as being almost an outsider. They they They... It's important for that representation. And, you know, 34 is really young. And it is so tragic when you think about something like trying to climb up at 4 a.m. to look at the full moon. Something... I think that's a beautiful metaphor right, right. for her life right. in a lot of ways. I mean, not that I, you know. No. Anyway, it's very sad. Um, rest in peace to her. If, if it is shown, I mean, kudos to John Perellis, who's one of my favorite music critics, and I yeah. love him as a person. For giving, because you know he's the one who probably pushed for that um, right. obit, and 
you know what? It's super easy. If you're somebody who reads the New York Times, every week they do new songs. And all you got to do is click on it, listen for five minutes. This sucks. This doesn't suck. End of story. It's not that hard. Well, you don't I'm have to tell you. I'm trying to make a commitment to listen to more. You know, I'm still on a lot of promo lists from all my music industry days. Shout out. Thank you to everybody who still sends me all this stuff and keeps me abreast. But I get so much that I don't listen to everything. And I really am trying to make a commitment now not to just yeah. listen to the things I like, but to start clicking on a lot of this shit that I don't know and being like, well, how do you know if you're not going to like it? If you, but before I used to listen, you know, when I was thick in it, I listened to everything. Everything. It's in, from every genre, every new release that came that week. I just listened to everything, and I want to get back to listening to yeah. more music that I don't it's, know from artists that I that I that I wanted. To, I want to discover some more new work. I'm guilty of it too. I'm guilty of it too. So listen. Um, speaking of listening to new music, we decided we'd like to talk about some older music um, records. Records that by artists that, you know, listen, Courtney, we could go on and on. You and I could pick three albums every day that we want to talk right. about. <laughs> but I mean, because you're a music head. I'm a, I don't know if I'm a music head. I'm more a music arm. I haven't, I sometimes get lazy. But you brought up some really interesting records that you wanted to talk. Why don't you tell people what you wanted to talk about? Because I listened to them this morning so I could well, be informed. <laughs> Well, you know, I uh, just recently acquired, you know, I've been uh, rebuilding my vinyl collection from after having a fire, leaving a bunch of my mom's house that I let give away. And um, so I recently got Debbie Harry's first solo album, Cuckoo, on vinyl. And I'm a big fan of that record. And, you know, I had lots of memories around that record. And then as I was listening to it, I started just, then I went to Rockbird, then I went to Deaf, Dumb, and Blonde, and Deprivation. I just started listening to her solo work and trying to figure out, do I love these records because I love Debbie Harry? Are these actually good records? Because when I listen to them back now, uh, um, her solo work is so, like, each album is different. There's no connective <laughs> thread. And she really didn't have a, for such a big star, after the first album, she had no more hits in the United States. All her hits happened in the UK. And I get it, Blondie's bigger than the UK. But when I listen to these songs, it's very interesting how she stayed on Chrysalis throughout her entire solo career like Blondie in the UK. But she had two different record labels here. And neither of them really did her proper in her solo career. So I started taking a deeper dive into these records. Well, are they missed opportunities? Should we revisit them? And, you know, it's just been interesting, like, you know, we all know about, about, uh, Cuckoo. So I'll, I'll start with Rockford, which was on Geffen Records. And, you know, the first single was French Kissing in the USA. Now, I love that album. The album was produced by Seth Justman and, and Incept is, is part of the Jay Giles band. And, um, it's, it's so hard. Like, so records are always like pop, rock, new wavy. But they always fall in a, in a weird place. And I know you love In Love With Love, but you love the I remix. I love the remix. Love love. Yes. I love and, the remix more than the original. And that's the thing, right? So you look at this album. It's beautiful art. It's Debbie Harry. You're ready for that moment. And then I go through the songs, and I'm like, okay. Well, first of all, French Kissing in the USA, fun fact, <laughs> 
was written by Chuck Lorre. Chuck Lorre, who, who wrote the show Two and a Half Men. Who wrote, directed He was the showrunner for it. Yes. He wrote the song French Kissing in the USA. Well, <laughs> you know what's funny? You said, I just want to jump in and let you... When I was listening to the records this morning, I mean, certain songs jumped out. I remember them. But I was thinking, too, like, if this wasn't Debbie Harry, and if I didn't adore Debbie Harry on so many different levels, would I even be paying attention as much? And would these records be better suited for today's world? Because that sound is back in some way. Right, right. I mean, you gotta think she has Fonda Ray singing back up on this album. Jocelyn Brown is singing back up on this album. She worked with such interesting people. And there is a Nile Rogers track on this album, Beyond the Limit. But, right. you know, she writes still, Christine is still her writing partner. But it's one of those things that I think I'd like people to revisit this record and then hit us in the comments and let us know what you think. Because it's such a, it's, first of all, it was a really divisive record for all of her fans, as was the first album, right? Because here she comes, she's the front woman from Blondie, and I actually get why she did what she did. You're in this group, the group is known for this thing, I don't want to make a solo album that sounds anything like my group, but I think she stunned the fans by making a black record. <laughs> now, let me... You talking about you talking about cuckoo? Cuckoo, yeah. You know, her, I read her memoir last year, mm-hmm. and I mean, not for nothing, it was not great. I was expecting a lot more dish, which right. was unfortunate. Um, <laughs> and it was also physically physically hard to read because it's a really heavy book, and you couldn't yeah. open it. But anyway, uh-huh. um, she said that when they did the album cover for Cuckoo, the label went ballistic. They didn't want to see the album. It's an album cover. It's like H.R. Geiger where she's got nails coming yeah. through her head because she's gorgeous right. and was always a sex symbol, um, and they didn't want to see her come out of the group where she was the focal point, the sex symbol looking like a science fiction prog- project, and they fought for that cover, but they said that was, I think um, – there was a lot of fighting back from the label on well, that. Well, and, and they were supposed to do these huge, they had, you know, for the London tubes, because she was huge over there. They were, the, the big posters were that cover, and they had them taken down because people thought it looked too violent, her, yeah. with the spikes through her face. First of all, I love that H.R. Geiger cover, and he yeah. directed the first two videos from that album. But it's very interesting. Like, so you start off, okay, you have Debbie Ari. That's her most successful album in the U.S. It actually goes gold. Backfired. It's her most successful solo figure in the U.S. It stopped at number 43 on the chart. But this is also back when you could be a white artist and chart on the black chart. It also charted on the black chart. And, you know, back when music was less segregated, when it was a lot easier to just be on both. Like, Ode to Billy Joe was on the black charts. Anyway, that's another story. But, um. It's a pretty black, it's a pretty R&B song. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, really so we get that moment of cuckoo, but Rockford is, to me, is, is just that sort of in-between record where you're like, if this wasn't Debbie Harry, would I love this? And Love is Love is great, but like you said, the remix of it, Love is Love is great. Uh, the song Rockford is all right. I love yeah, French Kissing in the USA. But, me too, but yeah. It's it's specific. I'm surprised that that wasn't a bigger hit. I always thought it was a bigger hit in the U.S., but it wasn't. Yeah. So then we go to Deaf, Dumb, and Blonde, which comes out four years later. And the thing with Deaf, Dumb, and Blonde is that's probably 
the best of reviewed of the albums because this is where she goes more new wave. It is a little bit pop, but the new wave and more rock and her and Chris wrote all the songs again. But again, now she's gone from Geffen and she's on Sire in the U.S. So you think, great, I'm at Sire. I'm at a new label. They're going to work my record. So what do they do? The first single, I want that man. They do a shitload of remixes, service them to the clubs, which to me is already like, if you're trying to go for rock and the first thing you do is start remixing for the clubs, you know, the rock, especially back in the 80s, the rock kids immediately like, we're not messing with this record. And they get no promotion in the U.S. Well, here's the thing, too. All right. So Debbie, I, I don't know. I mean, I love Debbie Harry. I love Blondie. They were always it was always sort of surprising that they did make it because they were always doing a sort of off kilter kind of pop and their, and their homages were very, they were doing homages to the fifties and the sixties in, in many ways, but you know, obviously a groundbreaker in terms of bringing hip hop to the whites. Um, but what I would, would say that by the time she gets to Sire, let's just be reality. Madonna's on the label. Debbie's in her forties. She's not going to play the Madonna game. So they're like, eh, Let's work on the let's work on the chick that's young and hot and willing to do whatever it means necessary to yeah, get ahead. Eighty nine, I want to say for Madonna, eighty nine is like a prayer. Yeah. So I mean, you know how it is. We have we have two we have two blonde women on the label. One's in her twenties. One's in her forties. Was Debbie in her forties at that point in nineteen eighty nine? Debbie Harry is is in her seventies right now. Debbie Harry was it was lit, older than everybody else when she got started. I think Debbie Harry is seventy or seventy two. She is got not. Um, you know what I mean. So the point is, is that this is just the reality of of the world. Yeah, you know, but you, know you have okay. So you have the Thompson Twins are really hot at the time. The Thompson Twins have worked on this album, including writing the first single. And yeah. you know. This is a more of the sound that people want from her. Yet again, this is the album I think people should really uh, revisit if you want a really good Debbie Harry. Because this is their first time actually that she went by Deborah Harry. Remember, she changed that moment, right. and then she was Deborah Harry. So now she's right. Deborah Harry, and it's a great record. It's more rock. It's more new wavey than the than the, than the last two. It's actually a more consistent record than the first two. Right. All right. Yeah. I mean, she's always someone worth revisiting. Great group, smart lyricist, always has been a smart lyricist, just and a super, for what it's worth, super nice, cool chick who's always kept her ears open, which I appreciate. All right. It, it wait, uh, one more. Then she got fucked over for the last one on on one on Sire, which was Deprivation, where the, the label kind of took control of it and changed all of the mixes and made it too much. It's such a pop record that it's kind of weird hearing her with these songs even though she you know again she wrote a lot of the music i can see clearly with an arthur baker tune and that was the first single but you know the label really took it over and she actually has her own version called deprivation 2 that she used to sell at her live shows with the original mixes and versions of the album what year, what year with those records like deprivation is 93 Okay, because in the 80s, in the late 80s, also, she was dealing with Chris Stein being deathly, deathly sick. 
Well, they talk uh, about that when she took off in, in one long period in between the first and the second record. Because really, yeah. it was a lot of years in between the first and the second yeah. record. Okay. Um, I would like to talk about three records um, that have always been really favorite albums of mine, and they're, they fall into the categories like, I don't understand why this didn't connect, but then I go, why am I even bothering understanding why it didn't connect? Um, so one of them is Jeffrey Williams' Bear, which came out in 92. So Jeffrey Williams, uh, black, a British artist, um, fell into that unfortunate category of, is he R&B? Is he rock? Because he right. had guitars in the albums. He also had videos where he was surrounded by white women, which is problematic to an American black audience more maybe than, you know, like models draping all over him. Really... Bear is a song-for-song, song, great rock album with R&B influences. It, this is around the time where you get the feeling that every label is like, we're going to sign a black British guy with an ambiguous sound with dreads because Seal has done so well. So, um anyway. And he was supposed it, to be a big deal when, you know, when they were first talking about it. No, no, I mean. I interviewed him for it. So the fact that they brought in people to do press, but he was worked through the black music department and that may have given some people like, like, uh, he's not really doing the sort of black music. And I'm using that in like such fucking quotations right. that I expect, but it is a great, great record. I mean, song for song. It, these are really well-crafted rock R&B songs. He's a guitarist kind of in a Roachford vein in that same yeah. kind of black British guys um, who are no, as he has in, a song called Moonchild that I really liked. And let, yeah. Uh, yeah that and was, he continued, great. I mean, he continued making albums after this, but that was sort of um, the extent of it. But also, and again, I know this matters nothing in the scheme of things, but a, an absolutely wonderful interview, very sweet. I mean, a very, like, sent me a note afterwards to thank me for the interview, which is, like, unheard of. Um, so Jeffrey Williams Bear is just an album that I play, a CD that I play a lot. Um, speaking of black music, so in 1998, Chocolate Genius, which was the band name for Mark Anthony Thompson, put out the album called Black Music. And the title was meant to be sort of a, uh, ironic and double entendre because Mark, um, was like, many black artists who don't fit into a mold kind of like how do we deal with him how do we deal with him and of course how calling do we your market him what do we yeah. do who's his right. audience right <laughs> chocolate genius is just a genius uh full disclosure mark became a friend of mine and my son used to babysit for his kids um so there you go um this is one of the best debuts, I would say, of the 90s. It came out in 98. He worked with Craig Street, was the producer, who at that time had done Michelle and Becky Otello's um, Bitter um, and was sort of the guy. He, Mark's always been one of these people who attracts the best musicians. Mark Rabot is on the record. or I mean, um, uh, just he always gets the creme de la creme. And he had real connections in the New York City sort of downtown kind of small club thing. Um, and they did, I will give credit to his label, V2, they did put a concerted effort behind this record. And yeah. um, V2 the was a great was, label for, for a small acts like that. Yeah, very much so. It was an artist label. It was yeah. an artist label. Absolutely. And he, 
the song that jumped out on this record and almost overpowered the record way was the song My Mom, which is just a heartbreaking song about his mother, who I guess, who not I guess, who uh, had Alzheimer's. And it's just an extraordinary song. I mean, it's so emotional. Um, the other songs that I love on it are Half a Man and Don't Look Down. And you, um, he got a lot of placement like on TV shows and, and stuff, but, and he consistently made great records. And the thing that was the selling point for me with Mark with Chocolate Genius, fantastic live performer. Yeah. I saw him dozen, never saw a bad show. Funnier than sh like his 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 talking in between the songs was as good as the songs itself. But just a brilliant um, performer. So I mean, I would really it's a it's one of those records that people go back to because it is um, it's just a, again people who are not reinventing the wheel. It's not like right. he's doing he's a singer songwriter. Okay, he's not reinventing the wheel. But sonically fantastic. He's also a sound designer for theater, so he's done a lot of interesting stuff. So Black Music by Chocolate Genius has a great cover of him in his hair permed up in rollers sitting on his mother's bed. It's just extraordinary. <laughs> and he's a great guy. And his daughter, Jayla, is also a great artist. And fun fact, his daughter, other daughter, is Tessa Thompson, the actress. Mm -hmm. Um and the third album I want to talk about is Alison Moyer's Essex, which That's was one of her solo records. Darling. <laughs> Great record. That's a right? masterpiece, darling. <laughs> masterpiece. 1994. Um, Alison Moyer had already established a career in Yaz, so she was a singer that people knew, British singer. Um, I could listen to every single song on this album on repeat. Mm -hmm. Another Living Day is a song that I have on every little list or mixtape or whatever. It's just, this is crisp and emotional and because I'm a hook girl. I love a hook. Mm -hmm. Hooky and um, she worked with a guy named, I want to say Pete Winchester. I, I, I'll post his name, but it was one of the, like, the British producers at the time. It touches upon her R&B dance roots, but it's just a deeply emotional, gorgeous, gorgeous record. And she, her voice, a, uh, a friend of mine, a friend of both of ours, uh, said several years ago, and no disrespect to Adele, because she's great, like, what is Adele doing that Alison Moyet didn't do? Right. A, a, except that she is much more kind of mainstream. But Alison Moyet is one of the great women stylist of, of the 80s and the 90s, and especially coming out of Britain. Gorgeous, gorgeous. Uh, I mean, it's a woman's voice. This is not the voice of a girl. This is a woman's voice. And so I can't recommend Essex. Oh, I'm sorry. Here's his name. Pete Glenister. So Pete Glenister and Jules Shear wrote some songs, but she co-wrote it with Pete Glenister and Alison Moyer. And Pete Glenister also did a lot of production with Kirstie McCall, who I highly recommend. But this is just... I love that record. And love the funny it. thing is, it wasn't a hit for her. It, it disappointed when it came out. They expected it to be bigger. And, yeah. you know, some people didn't love it. But to me, I thought her voice was just top-notch on that album. Gorgeous. Know? And, and she, you know, the difference is, like, with her and the Adele's, it's just the timing thing. Like, when she came it out, is. like, you know, with everything, right? Why do some people get that 
sprinkle of, of dust on them. It's just the stars align, the timing, and you come along and I think she also you know? some issue that she just had a, a touring. She didn't tour or tour as much. And again, uh, sexism 101, she didn't fit the mode of what a woman is supposed to well, look like. Well, you to look how we're weird in the U.S., right? Like, who gets to be the international one who gets to come over here right. and be huge? Many have tried. There's so many that we thought, oh, they would definitely work. They have the talent. And it just it doesn't work for them, right? It's like, who gets to be that one why the spice girls over this one why you know why why this well, one and not the sugar babes you know like we can and the thing so with allison uh, the thing with allison i guess which was sort of like surprising that it didn't connect and you know is that she'd already established herself in the u.s yeah, yeah. she was already like people yeah. knew who she was i yes, mean absolutely absolutely situation was a huge fucking and don't call. go and only you don't yeah. go it's, it's she has a loyal fan base here she's always toured here yeah. because she's got people absolutely love her here but you're right it's like why wasn't it huge but you know some things here that we think will be, that are be huge they just don't connect like it's funny when we were talking about these sort of black artists and putting them in the box do you remember Tasman Archer? That's an album everybody oh, should go back to. Oh my visit. gosh. She was supposed to be the big thing. But whenever whenever somebody is black in the US and they don't make quote unquote black music, whatever that means, because I'm like like Joan Armor Trading, somebody asked her, Do you make black music? She said, Well, I wrote this song and I'm singing it. And I'm black. And it's black <laughs> music. You know what yeah. I mean? But they find it hard, especially here, to put to just even find the space. I think black radio has really done a disservice to not to have so many black radio stations and there's not a black rock show on any of them. There's no place for those artists to have their music played on a black Someone radio. Someone told me that Plasma Archer did a follow up record that was covers God, I want to say it was Elvis Costello covers or something like that. So I'll have to try to find it because Sleeping Satellite is bar none one of the best singles ever. Absolutely. She's so Ever. dope. She's like, people really need to go back and, and absolutely revisit that. Sounds record, great in the headphones. Great yeah, in yeah, the yeah. headphones. Yeah. No, but she was supposed to be the one. She was and supposed to be happened. the one. Like, it, it, the setup was like, here we go. And yeah. I believe the single came out strong and then, you know, yeah. just like we had this chick when I was on Columbia. I don't know if you ever remember her. Imani Coppola. Do you oh yeah, Miley Coppola. Yeah, and she was another one who was just sort of interesting, offbeat, off kilter. And what was it? Legend of a Cowgirl was the single. You guys should check out that album. <laughs> and she was supposed to be the one, but it's like it's really interesting how Dion Ferris. What's Dion Ferris? Yeah, Dion Ferris was an interesting one because you know she started working on the next album, and I remember when she tried to turn it in, and they did was, not like it because it was, was like really. <laughs> it was just different I think there was some also stuff going on, like yeah. a, a personal, without getting, you know, airing her laundry. Yeah. There was some personal. Um, yeah. All right. Um, you and I have made it through a show without um, um, with something. I forgot. I just, I'm so spaced <laughs> out right today. So why don't you tell me if you want, if there's anything that you're kind of checking for right now, contemporary-wise. Contemporary, I have to be honest with you. I have a bunch of stuff in my box. I've just been listening to old music because nothing that's come across my desk I've really loved, you know. 
Right. The new pop stuff I've heard, like I listened to the Zane record, I was bored by that. I feel the like Zane. London Grammar has a great new oh, single. Oh, Zane, Zane. Like. Yeah, yeah, you know what? I think Zane is just adorable, and I look at him, but he literally looks like he's asleep in all his videos. He looks like, like, wake up. Why are you so out of it all the time? You know? Yeah, he's not giving me energy. No. Uh, it's like, if you don't want to be a rock star, then don't be. You don't have to, yeah. you know. You yeah. You don't have to I do mean, it. Yeah. It's like... Really, it's, it's one not of those a, things that you don't have it's to. Not do a requirement. It. It's not. It's not like wearing masks. You don't have to do it. Um, yeah, so no, none of this new shit. The new London Grammar single that I like, but other than okay. that, I'm not really listening to anything. I sort of am really liking the Billie Eilish Rosalia Rosalia single, um, just because it's so unlikely to become a hit. It's called. I'm going to screw this up because I can't speak Spanish. Lobos a I'll leave it. Oh, I don't even want to say uh, Los Los uh, Alivadar. I'm horrible. Sorry, I failed high school Spanish. Um, I love it because these are two women who um, do not fit into the mode of what a woman is supposed to look like or sound like. And I and um, in pop music, I love it because it's so hushed and quiet and idiosyncratic. It's it it never rises above. I mean, Billie Eilish's stuff tends to be very lo-fi, but this is even for her. And Rosalia does definitely is not a lo-fi artist. So I just love it because it's very much, um, it's an interesting pairing because they have nothing in common. Right. And um, it's just an interesting song. And the Arlo Parks I record, have it. I'll check it out. Yeah, Collapse in Sunbeam. She's also someone who's getting a tremendous amount of press, young, black, British um, artist. Um she, I first became hip to her because of the Insecure, the soundtrack for Insecure. Mm -hmm. She's just great. It's getting unbelievable press, so you have to be nervous about that, too, because critics can be ridiculous. Um, but it's a really, really interesting record. I'm really enjoying it. Um, I'm really enjoying it right now. She's like 20 years old, so this is like, I think, her second record. But just really good stuff. Really, really I'm good stuff. I'm loving the emergence of new talent, aren't you? Because we needed some. Like, really, the stars from our generation, everybody's getting older. And these young kids, when I look at the charts now, it's all either country or rap. It's all well, country and rap. Yeah, no, and really young. And let's not be let's not be ageist. If you're an older if you're older and you put out a great, you know, by that criteria, Beyonce should stop recording, right? No, that's not what I'm saying. I just said <laughs> the fact is the chart is very, very young. I literally was just looking at the chart this weekend. All of the records yeah. are, they are the country, the country men. Right. And really young, all rap artists. And it's all the young rap artists. It's almost right. like these, these, these new heritage, the, the, the legacy and heritage artists are kind of fighting to fit in. Like no one's talking about the Gwen Stefani big comeback record. No one's talking oh, about Oh, cause that. it's a horrible record. <laughs> oh, let's talk about that next time. But it's a horrible <laughs> record and I can't look her now that she's with that fucking Trump loving well, mother. Well, the thing is when I keep watching it, I was like, haven't you done this before? That's. Oh. <laughs> Beef. Oh my God! I'm and like, I oh, love like her. a Scott Gwynn again. Okay, here we go. Oh, <laughs> and I love her like a fat girl loves cake or a thin girl loves cake. Oh my God, that record is just like going. Oh my! Uh, I don't want. I don't want to end negative. Let's not yeah, end. Negative. I'll tell you, this is her deprivation period. <laughs> oh my God! Uh, anyway, guys, go right. back to Deaf, Dumb, and Blonde. Check that one out again. <laughs> And check out, we're going to post tracks from the records we talked yeah. about and some other stuff, but 
Um, as always, please give them all the social stuff because I forget it all. Remember Where to you wash your hands, wear your mask, and no, follow no, us. Not I'm, follow doing that, I'm, do, I'm doing that portion. Lady. <laughs> anyway, wash your hands, wear your mask, and remember to follow us on your headphones while you're shopping and doing all your stuff. We're on Facebook at I'ma Let You Finish. We're on Instagram at I'ma Let You Finish New York NY. We're on Twitter at Finish Ima. And we're, you can listen to us wherever you listen to podcasts all around the universe. That's right. We're everywhere. That's, we're everywhere, like, like, COVID. Um, and unlike the vaccine, we're available to you. Just hit us up. We are, we are available to you. We are available. And I, and I want to say my third arm has stopped growing out of my shoulder. So the vaccine's safe. Take it. And, and remember, Jewish lasers. Jewish lasers. I've decided that Major Laser has to change his name to, to Ma laser. Uh, Major Laserwitz because he's clearly the traffic all this time. Damn, the, the Jewish lasers right. are coming for us all, kids. Until oh, next geez. week. Next week, yeah. guys. Bye. Bye. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.